0: Hi everybody, it's Russ from MyHammer's Eleven. I hope you're all safe and well. Uh, if you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing. Hit the bell notification. I'm rattling through this because I just want to start the interview. <laughs> please make sure you hit the bell notification so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. I will not want you to miss any of these memories, any of these stories that are coming out. Uh, as I said, we have new da- new videos going up daily, but sometimes two, three times a day. I wouldn't want you to miss anything. We've got some awesome guests, including today's guest. He doesn't really need an introduction, but I like to do him anyway because uh, you know we all know it's TC. You can see in the video next to you um but i mean you know the word legend i think it's been banded around quite a lot and um you know in my eyes this man is is a legend you know not many players not many boys can grow up playing for your boyhood club and he did and he scored an absolute shed load of goals um which you know arguably we have we haven't seen anyone do that uh, in the modern era since you know 146 goals tony knows all the stats anyway so if i'm wrong you'll pick me up uh, 146 goals for the club two periods uh, the first West Ham player to score a Premier League hat-trick as well. Uh, eight caps for England. And also, because I know Tony likes his stats, he's appeared in 35% of our, um, our Hammers 11s so far, which is uh, says, says more than anything else, I think. How you doing, TC? How's, how's things keeping?
1: Hello, Rasa. Very good. I'm impressed with all that research. It was actually seven caps for England. That's the is only it? thing I'm going to pick up. Seven caps for England. But, uh, yeah, I'm very impressed with the stats here. And, uh, um Listen, I don't like to be called a legend. Like I'm, I'm no, TC. You can just call me TC, Russ. I'm. Uh, listen, I'm a fan who played for the club, and I'm now a fan like you. So yeah. it's, that's that's where we are with things. But you can, like, yeah. West Ham's my club, everyone knows West Ham's my club.
0: Yeah, I know. And and usually, what I do is with with, with the, sort of the ex players, as I say. uh You know, why did you play for West Ham? But obviously, I sort of already know why you play for West Ham. So I'm going to go back a step and. Why, why is West Ham your club? How did it all start for you, your West Ham sort of love? Um,
1: well, it, it goes right back to pr- pr- pretty much the day I was born, which was back in July 1965. Obviously, uh, a year later, we won the World Cup, as we all know, and uh, I was dressed up as World Cup Willie. That's how old I am. I was only 11 months old, and the mascot was World Cup Willie. And here's me. There's a picture of me as World Cup Willie, which is awful. But... Um, well, I mean, at the time when I was born, my family were living in the East Ham. You know, a lot of, lot of our families originated, as we know, from the East End, and I was no different. Uh, mum and Dad, West Ham fans. Nans and granddads, West Ham fans. Uncles and aunts, West Ham fans. Yeah. Um, you know, my, uh, both my granddads, I think, were at the 1923 FA Cup final, oh. the famous Whitehorse Cup oh. final. Uh, my great uncle was found, a founder member of the Supporters Club at West Ham. So, you know, to say it runs through the blood is a bit of an understatement. And uh, most importantly, I was born in West Ham. So I've now got my passport. Every time I go abroad, I open the page. It says, their birthplace West Ham. And that will never, ever be taken away from me. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, just born into a mad West Ham family, really. And, um, you know, I think I probably would in about... I think the earliest game I could sort of remember going to was about in the early 70s. Uh, I think 72, and we, we was at home to Forest, and my dad took me on the old North Bank. and. Obviously, I was very small. I'm still small now, Russ, as you know. But, um, you know, I was very small at the time. I Probably took a yeah. crate with me. I mean, chucked me down the front of the North Bank. And, um, yeah, we won the game 4-2. I do believe my hero, Pop Robson, scored a couple of goals that day. But um, I don't remember much about it. But it was it was like a, like a bug. Like, once you've been, it was like, oh, Dad, when we, when can we go to the next game? And I'm sure many people sort of listening to this interview would feel the same, that you go there, you sometimes you're taken against your will, like whatever you you go to a game, don't you, and then you, you get the bug and it, yeah. it it stays with you for the rest of your life. And you know, I think as a as a West Ham fan we all do different things in life and obviously professionally I had to make certain decisions but you know, personally, I don't think if you're born a West Ham fan, you don't ever change for the rest of your yeah. life. You're always a West
0: Ham fan. Yeah, no, totally, and, and you're right. I mean, that's what comes through. In, we've interviewed, I don't know, 60, 70 is that about 60 70 people so far. And football is the is is secondary to is the experience. And as you said, you can't remember the game, but you remember going there. You remember being crushed down the front, and the, the smell of the peanut sellers, and the, and the big, you know, the bands and. Uh, down Green Street, all the smells coming out of where the meat's being cooked. That's, that's, what, yeah. that's what it means. Um, well,
1: i yeah. tell, tell you a story because I've got twin boys and obviously I, I, it was really important to me that my yeah. boys were West Ham. All yeah. the kids were, when they were young and everything. And uh, I didn't take them over to West Ham till they was about seven. And uh, by this time, this would have been what, 2003 when we got relegated with the All-Star team we got relegated yeah. with and we were in the Championship. And I think the first game I think was at home to Wigan so I've taken my boys to the first game, and uh, anyway, I looked round after about twenty minutes, and they were sitting there with their Game Boys like that not even not even looking at the game. And uh, anyway, I think we lost it. I think we lost three 0 or three one at home to Wigan. It was an awful yeah. display. One of those. And, and my, my, my son Bill looked at me and he went, "Dad," he said, "Do West Ham always lose?" And I looked at him, I went, Bill, that's, that's not the point. That's not the point. We're, you're a West Ham fan. You're a West Ham boy. You're coming to the game, whether you like it or not. It's not about whether they win or lose. It's about going to the game. And it was one of those conversations. But yeah. I'm pleased to say They're now 22, the pair of them. Um, and they're, they're both mad West Ham fans, which is great for me. Yeah,
0: exactly. Now, I, now I, my, my story is very similar um, to your boys. I think, yeah, it was... Uh, I think we played, it was sort of early 90s when I started going then. And uh, yeah, I think we played Oxford United and I think Oxford scored after about 30 seconds. And I remember my granddad turning to me and going, that's it, get used to it. And I didn't believe him at the time because I was like a glory hunter. I was a glory hunter. I came when, you know, we got promoted in 90, <laughs> you know, the 92 season. So I was a glory hunter. But uh, you know, it's, uh, it's so true. Yeah, But I mean, I'm the same. You know, I remember my, my daughter, you know, she's not. She's only just started getting into the she's eight now, she just turned eight last week. And um same birthday's Bish, by the way. Um and uh yeah. and she's she wasn't really into West Ham. She knew I'd daddy would go to football and come back. But as soon as the emergence of the West Ham women's team, she's now taken an interest. We've been to Rush Green a couple of times, she loves it. Really? So yeah. yeah. It's great fun. It's great fun. So I'm try, I'm trying you know, she's a girly girl, but every so often she'll like put a kit yeah. on you go daddy, okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm working on her, I'm working on her, but it's difficult because so I, I, I can't work because I'm working there, so it's difficult to, to, have her, to have her there. So it means my wife has to take her, which will never happen. So, um, <laughs> sometime you never know. Um, so obviously, you know, I mean, everyone asks the question, time, but it's true. What's it like
1: playing for your boy or club? Um, well, it's it's, I can't really answer the question because I, I mean I could listen. I could waffle on for the yeah, next three hours trying to explain what it felt and you know particularly my debut as well because yeah. um, I, I was I was I was just a mad fan. I travelled yeah, yeah, travelled yeah. the country. You know I was I was a 13 14 year old lad and I would get on the old special trains back in the, the 70s and you know invariably there'll be someone pulling the emergency call or the you put into a station and the doors were going and there was all sorts of things going on and there was always a, a fight of some sort going on With, but you know I, I didn't I didn't go for that I, listen, I was only a kid I was a 13, yeah. 14 went to watch the football I was just obsessed with the football and I mean, it sounds mad now you look back and you think your mum and dad let you get on a train at 13 years of age and you know, I was at the, um, the infamous Newcastle game where we played up there in 1979 I think it was and they threw a petrol bomb at the West Ham fans and and I, I, spent the whole game of a program on my head, so I, because all the stones and rocks yeah. and bricks overnight. All I wanted to do was watch the football. <laughs> I wasn't interested in anything else. Yeah. So, but you know, but it, I, I, it was crazy for me because at the same time as I was being a mad fan, I was also developing as a footballer, and yeah, I, I got spotted by West Ham as a schoolboy at twelve, and then I just progressed through the academy and everything. And and I, I think I think they had high hopes for me, but the. the, the the, the thing they always said was, he's too small, he's never going to make it. He's always too small, he's too small. Too small. And that was, he's a good goal scorer, but he's too small. And Funny enough, I used that as a, as a weapon for myself, really, because the more people said it, and my dad used to take great pride in telling me, oh, yeah, they've said you're too small again. And the more they said I was too small and I was not going to make it, the more it inspired me to actually yeah. go and do it. Um, but, you know, to, to be as a, a 15-year-old who went to Wembley um, to watch West Ham in the 81 League Cup final, um, you know, fantastic performance by the lads. We lost in a replay that yeah. I went to both the games and I was 15 and then within pretty much 18 months, yeah, I'm making my debut. Yeah. And, you know, to go from being a fan to all of a sudden, like I'm, you know, I've got Parksy in goal and, you know, Paul Allen who played in the 80 Cup final and, you know, good power of mine and Alan Devonshire and Alan Dickens and all these players... You know, it was just incredible for me and, you know, to score on your debut and beat Spurs 3-0, it was just, you know, if, you, if, you, if you get, look, I've got blank bit of paper in front of me, look, that's, yeah. that's my research, my team, my West Ham team, look, absolutely <laughs> nothing. But what I was going to say is that if you gave me that blank bit of paper now and said, write down what your debut wants yeah. to be like, what, how you want your debut to go, I would write of down course. exactly how my debut went. I wouldn't put anything else. It was yeah. just a phenomenal day for me and, uh, you know, People always say, "What's your what's your favourite goal?" And same
0: answer: my first goal for West yeah. Ham, always, always my be. favourite goal. Has to be. It's like tick, 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 isn't it? It's
1: like, yeah, people have said it's more of the rover stuff, and it really was.
0: It, it really was. was. It was.
1: Yeah, it and was I mean, incredible.
0: but what is it about Tottenham and and debuts? Because did Johnny Artson score his first goal against Tottenham at I think at home, and, and we won the game as well. But it's uh, yeah, I mean, you score for Tottenham, you're against Tottenham, you're already in the West Ham sort of you know, hearts already. And as you said, to win and be a debut and be a West Ham boy, it was like, it's just all the... Boys.
1: Yeah, I think they, maybe, maybe it meant a little bit more to me. I mean, throughout my career, I mean, obviously I moved around a little bit. Of as a course, player, yeah. But yeah, um, <clears throat> I love scoring against Spurs. And I think a lot of that came from the, the, the passion of being a fan. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> as, as my dad used to say to me like about the West Ham way. You know, people, talk, people always say, what's the West Ham way? So my dad used to say to me, he used to say, we're going to play good football. He said, we're going to win a cup every now and again. He said, and then depending on what division we're in, we either beat Spurs, if we're in the top flight, or if we're in the championship, we beat Millwall. And that was (laughs) my dad's. And if you think about it, it's a very simplistic view of being a West Ham fan. But it is, and and I I grew up on that. So whenever West Ham played... Spurs, whether it was a home or away, I was at the game when David Cross scored four goals at White Hart Lane, a win as a fan, and that was one of the best nights I've ever had as a West Ham fan. For, to win 4 0 at Spurs and, yeah. and, and that one player get, you know, psycho to get the four goals was just incredible. So I think what what I'm trying to say is that so throughout my career, I had that burning desire to beat and get one over Spurs. And, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not saying he made me play better against Spurs than other team, but it, there was always that passion yeah. as a West Ham no, fan yeah. there. And I think the local boys, you know, the likes of Potsy and, you know, others that were in the team at the time, you know, you try to get that into the other players. Mm-hmm. Look, come on. You know, I know Nobes does it now. Exactly. It, yeah. And,
0: and, you know, you know, I mean, we quit we it, three, three it, point yeah, late. I'm, I'm, it?
1: Yeah, I know you're not from Roundhill. You might be from another country, but this is our big game. The fans really want us to win this game. And I think that still goes on now, which is great.
0: Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. And I said, yeah, three-point lane is, you know, it was written in the stars that we were going to score the first goal there, and we were going to beat Tottenham at their new ground or the new ground. you knew it was going to happen. And yeah, it's uh, uh, and and Tottenham fans feel exactly the same when West Ham turned up. They they, they hate it. yeah, they but that's
1: the beauty of football. We love you. Love to have your teams that you want to get one over, and you know, listen, without a doubt, Spurs are one of those.
0: Yeah, and it's so true. And actually, what's quite funny, I've had quite a few of my my old my old friends who contacted me who are Tottenham fans and other fans saying they love watching the channel because actually, you know, although being a Tottenham fan, obviously. No one's doing it at Tottenham, it's all West Ham. So but it's still nice. It's still nice. And we still we still have a giggle. But uh, obviously, you know, that's that's cemented your place in West Ham Hearts already, scoring the scoring the goal on your debut up at Tottenham. And then it just progressed. Obviously, your career, the first in particular, went on and on and on. Obviously you, you played a few games in eighty two, and then obviously you played more, and then obviously then you had the season. The season. You know, yeah. everyone knows what you mean when you say the season. Um yeah. And, and you know, obviously, I, I remember I interviewed Gailey the other day, and he said that he'd spoken to you recently. And obviously, you love your stats, we know. Um, and there was some, was it like 17 or, or something records?
1: 17 that... club records still survive from the 85 86 season, which is, you know, unbelievable, really. So, absolutely crazy. Sad. It was, what was strange about it really, Russ, is that, you know, I mean, you're right, I mean, I got in the first team, I, I had two really good seasons personally where I scored a lot of goals. Yeah. Um, both seasons, we, we well, the, my first four seasons, actually, we had a, we had a good season, but we had a few injuries and we just fell away at the end. But the, the, the season after that, which would have been 84-85, like, mm-hmm. we, we were miles off the pace, you know, it was good for me personally, I scored a lot of goals. Did you? Never, never anywhere near anything. And we... You know, we flirted with relegation. A typical West Ham season. Flirted with relegation. Beat a few of the big teams, and it was... so by the time we get to the summer of '85, like there was no expectation amongst yeah. things that that something special was going to happen. Um, you know, I mean, the great John Larkin. He was a great manager. You know, he signed obviously Frank Mack and he signed Walby as well, and also we had Alan Devonshire back from his injury. He'd been out for eighteen months, and Deb was by far the best player I've played with in my mm-hmm. time at West Ham. So to have those three players, we, we knew what we was getting in, in terms of getting Dev back, but we didn't know what we was getting from Frank and Waldie. Yeah. But they just slotted in. Everything slotted in. We obviously had the injury to Paul Goddard in that first game, you know, which a lot of people just think that, you know, me and Frank started up front. We didn't. Yeah. Pull, you know, I started up front with Paul Goddard. Frank was playing in the number 10 position. Sarge dislocates his shoulder. He goes off. Frank moves up. Alan Dickens comes on. And the team went to a four four two, And we just... We just took off from there, really. But although we had periods, like the, we only won one of the first seven games. So, yeah. if you look back, wow, we've only would have done better. We had a, you know, horrendous weather and you know, a few like dodgy runs. We lost to Villa and Arsenal. We should have won the games. And I think the key game, probably losing at home to Chelsea towards the end of the season, done us in. But, um, you know, I mean, just to, to finish third, and it was the only season, and I can honestly say, I played 20, 20 seasons as a player, yeah. It was the only season where I felt that I was going to score in every game. And yeah. Frank probably felt the same as yeah, well. Yeah. And it was the season where I thought we would win every game. Mm. And you know, like it didn't matter who we playing, whether it was Liverpool, was Man United, Tottenham, Arsenal, it didn't matter. We was we was good enough. We knew we was good enough to compete and beat those teams and, and we did beat most of those teams during the season. So um it was a real journey for for not just for the players. But for the fans as well, and you know, I, I think you know every fan you sort of, who's old enough to remember that season, they all say, "Oh my God, what a season!" And you know, because we was in it together, and you yeah. know, their uh, following was incredible that season. And you just look back and think, if only, if only we'd have, if only we'd have finished and won the league, and you know, it just would be just so great to, you know, to sort. Of, I mean, we're sort of the team itself is 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 immortalized because we finished third, and yeah. you know, as, as you. We've we never finished, apart from, I think Harry had a season where they finished fifth, but they had a minus goal difference. It was a weird old <laughs> yeah. season. Fifth. But apart from that, I mean, even, you know, this sums West Ham up. You've got more Hurst-Peters, you've got Lampard, Bonds and Brooking, and we still couldn't finish inside the top six, you know, with those world-class players. So, you know, it just puts it in perspective of what uh, a special, special season it was. Yeah,
0: no, you're totally right. You're totally right. And uh, and talking to, talking to Macca the other day and he was saying that, you know, you two would have, would have bets, you know, he's going to score the best goal that day and stuff like that. And it's like the, the confidence in that team was phenomenal. It's like, I'd love was, a bit of that now.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, you had two players that were on the top of their game up front yeah. in terms of scoring goals. And then you, you had the quality behind them. You know, Dev was brilliant. Waldy was just a fantastic player. You know, Alan Dickens had the season of his life. And, you know, defensively, we had we were the world's most expensive goalkeeper at one stage. Yeah, Garcia. exactly. Yeah. You had Ray Stewart, Alvin Gailey. You had Wally or George Paris at left back. And, and then you had Jeff Pike O'Neill or in midfield. And, you know, the nine of that eleven. Pretty much played every game that season, and yeah. I, I I always liken it to the the Leicester season of about four years ago when they won the Premier League, and they was it was very similar from the point of view. They had a very settled team, no injuries, no suspensions, no distractions with Europe, and you know, and and, and they just went on a run, and and everyone fell to one side like that, and they just went straight down the middle, of Leicester, and we did a, a similar thing, but I think I think we just got tired towards the end, and as I say, there was a couple of blips and it just cost us really you know yeah. but it was it was great you know to to play up front with frank was a, was a real joy and we had, we had, you know despite being very very different characters we had such a such a laugh and we're still great mates i spoke to yeah. him this morning you know we we get on really really well and uh, we had we had a great time
0: yeah now you're, you're right and obviously your points tally the season before you had won the league or something like that, that right the, the points tally you had um at the eighty-five, eighty-six, if that was the season before, you would have won the league. Or was so that, like. is that true? Yeah, it's I think four so. Four yeah, four yeah, years. yeah. Frank, Frank came up with that stat. I don't know if it's true, but uh, I'm not blaming. Yeah, I
1: wouldn't. Believe, I wouldn't believe Frank on stats if I was you. I see that was coming from you. I believe it, not from Frank. though. No. like how on earth would Frank know what went on the season before? He, frankly, day-to-day, <laughs> day, there's no way
0: he knows that stat. If it's true, I'll be astonished. Oh, well. Well it, well, it is what it is. And, you know, and then, obviously, obviously, the following season, you had your best, best league tally, wasn't it, in terms of the 86-87 season. You know, you, you were banging them in that season, weren't you, as well? So, it's almost like, you know, you're, it's, you know, like, uh, players who progress, as progression. You know, if you looked at your stats, yeah, that from your debut to that, it seemed every season there was, there was more goals coming in. More goals coming Bro- in. Yeah, um
1: yeah, I mean, obviously it was a great season, eighty-five, eighty-six. But you know, Frank beat me to the record to, to the top goal scorer, and that was something I, I, I took so much pride in. That that was the one thing I start of every season um, for me personally must be top goal scorer. You know, that's my job. That's what you get paid for. You go out and you be top goal scorer. And like for Frank to beat me was not good news, but it inspired me in in a nice way. Yeah, I know and mean. I thought what, Frank, you 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 know you beat me in the 85-86, you ain't going to beat me the following season. And the following season, I think I got 22 league goals. And it was a shame, though, for Frank, because he only got, I think it was seven league goals. And, you know, he didn't play any different, he didn't play any worse than what he'd done the season before. But for, he just didn't have that little bit of luck that you need in front of goal sometimes. And, you know, instead of the ball going past the keeper hit the keeper's leg or in the post or something, he, he just didn't get the amount of goals that his performances deserved that season. Yeah. But, you know, it was it was still great. We're still having fun, and you know, listen. I look back. I, I feel very proud and privileged to have played up front with Frank McAvoy. by far the greatest player I played up front with. We we was together just over two years, and we scored over a hundred goals. And yeah. I think if you said now to West Ham fans, we're going to buy two players. They're only going to be together <laughs> for two years, but you're going to get hundred goals out of them. I think they probably would. The
0: I think they would. I think they would. And obviously, yeah. you know, that eighty five eighty six season. You know, obviously, you won Hammer the year that year. I mean, that must have been for yeah. you personally such a and obviously PFA Young Player of the Year so not only like you you were doing well as a team but you know you were sort of revered by you know you had an accolade from the fans and also from your peers as well for the PFA that must yeah. have been I mean that season was just your that was a phenomenal Hammer of the Year winner I mean what's that like? Oh
1: uh, well do you know what I was, I was actually a little bit embarrassed when I got the award because yeah. you know the the 84 Paul Allen beat me to it and yeah. uh, uh, sorry, Trevor Brookin. No, Trevor Brookin yeah. beat me in 84 and it was Trevor's last season. I was a runner-up for the Hammer of the Year. Yeah. 85, Paul Allen beat me and then, of course, he went to Spurs and I was runner-up to Paul Allen. So, I, I was just expecting, I was just thinking to myself, uh, yeah, of course, it's, it's important because you know you're getting recognition from the fans. Yeah. And, and something that you, it, it is something really, really nice if you get voted for like, the, the Hammer of the Year. But I'm thinking when it would come round to the end that says, I think there's no way that anyone other than Frank can win this because he'd come down. He'd made such a, a difference to the team. He'd made, he'd, he made it was the top goal scorer and he, he'd had a phenomenal season. And it, it wasn't just his goal scoring; it was it was what he brought to the team, his overall game. And I was learning from him, and he was inspiring me. Uh, and I just thought. Do you know what? It's It's got to be frank. And I never, ever expected in a million years to win the Hammer of the Year that year. I just didn't. I thought, if anything, I perhaps deserved it maybe the two years previous. Sure, or, yeah. because I, you know, I'd done all right. And, but it wasn't to be. And then when I got it, I thought, wow. And, and as it turned out, it was the one and only time I won it. So, yeah. you know, I'm really pleased because it's a, it's a very prestigious list, of the, you know, the Hammer of the Year. If you look at the names on that yeah. list... You know, and I think, you know what, I know I was runner-up three times, I was runner-up in the 90s as well, just yeah. Steve Cox, but you know, I runner-up three times, but to win it in 86 was special. And to, obviously, to get the PFA Young Player of the Year and your players are bone for you as well, you know, it was just great. It was a, just a slight shame that I didn't go to the Mexico World Cup, because that was yeah. obviously the 86 year and the Maradona handball and all that, but... If you look at the quality of strikers England had at the time, you know I was just a young twenty-year-old who would had a good season, and I was—I spoke really—I was never going to be on the plane. There was a little bit of talk about it, but in the end, I never made it. And then, of course, I got in the squad at the start of the following season. Yeah,
0: exactly. And um, and obviously, yeah, you, know, you alluded to obviously, you know, for people who who don't know Tony's, Tony's career, so to speak. Obviously, you left and he, then you came back, which was which was brilliant. How how does that work? You know, how did that sort of the coming back work? You know, was it? Was, it, was, there any, was there any doubt you were going to come back when, when it was on the table?
1: I, well, I think um, first and foremost, Russ, I mean, I was I was disappointed to have to leave the club. Yep. Um, you know, I mentioned I got in the England squad and I, I think in a way that was one, of the, it was one of the best things for me, but it was one of the worst things because when you're in that England squad, you're with all these top players who all talk about playing in cup finals and winning leagues and how much money they was earning and I'm thinking well, I'm not doing any of that and I'm not earning that much money. I'd come through the academy. It was different back then. You know, so I didn't feel appreciated from that point of view. And I got frustrated. My last season at West Ham, I was still top scorer, but I got frustrated. And in the end, I think it was best for me personally and for the club that I moved on. Because, and now people might argue the case that that's not true because obviously West Ham got relegated. I left in 88. They got relegated in 89. And you could argue that if I'd have stayed, the goals might have kept them up. And I understand that. But, I think I'd done as much in that first spell as I, you know, as I could have done really. So it was right for me to move on. I moved on, and I, I never once thought, Russ, honestly, I never thought I'm leaving and then I'm going to come back. I didn't think that. I just thought I didn't, because you don't know. You no, you don't. Know. I said, you, you don't change your allegiance. I am still, you know, I've, gone, I've signed for Everton. I'm still a West Ham fan, but, yeah. you know, you don't change your... You, you don't sign for someone and then think, oh, well, I'm going to sign for Everton, but then after that, I'm going to do this. You, you just, you don't know what's around the corner in football. But, you know, I had six fantastic years at Everton. It you know, didn't quite work out for me in terms of winning things. Um, but the, the, the turning point for me was very much um, the death of Bobby Moore. Mm. And, um, and the reason for that is... Um, I was at Everton at the time when the great Bobby died and um you know not not long after his death they announced that they was going that West Ham were going to play against the Premier League 11 and what they were going to do there was 22 teams in the Premier League at the time they said they're going to pick one from every club obviously not West Ham so there will be 21 players one from each club and I thought well Everton surely there was no one really at Everton at the time uh, I mean Waldie might have been there so there might be a little bit of a case for Waldie but I thought, well, surely they're going to ask me to play for the Premier League. But I was a little bit worried because I'm thinking to myself, in, in the, the, the times I'd gone back previously as a, as an Everton player, I'd got very mixed reception. There was a few people clapping and a few people booing. And I, listen, I understand that because they was disappointed that I left, yeah. and especially when they got relegated. Um, so anyway, well they, they, they announced I was in the Premier League eleven, and then when we get to the dressing room before the game, they said, "Look, we're going to introduce every player individually," and I'm going, "Oh my god, no, please!" Because I'm thinking, if I step forward and then I get booed, that's going to spoil the day for Bobby Moore, and, I, and Bobby was, you know, one of my heroes, my dad's hero, etc. And, and uh, anyway, they go, they start coming down the line, introducing all the Premier League players, who step forward and, and give a little wave and everything, and. And uh, the, the, uh, the announcer went. And, and please welcome back to, to West Ham, number nine, Tony Cotton. I stepped forward expecting the worst, and the whole ground just gave me the mm-hmm. biggest round of applause. And I thought to myself, do you know what? I, I, I feel ready to come home. If ever there's an option, I feel sure. ready to come home. And that was in, I think that was in '93, that was the game. And in the following season, '94, um, Everton were in a relegation battle, and we came to Upton Park, and we won 1 0, and I scored the only goal of the game. <laughs> <laughs> sorry West Ham fans um, but um, you know I, I, there was a little bit of talk and then um, I, I, I did particularly get on well with Mike Walker and Harry Redknapp were taken over at West Ham and then all of a sudden it was a swap deal David Burrows went to Everton and I came back and you know, when I arrived back it was it was like it, it was weird really because you come back to Chapel Heath and you got got um, you know Popsy was still there yeah. Alvin was still there Tony Carr Jimmy Friff there was a lot of people still there and i have been gone six years. Like, so it was a bit of a time walk. But um, no, it was great. And I, I, I came back and I had, I had two and a bit fantastic years, with us. Yeah. So I really did. I really enjoyed it. You know, it's great lads here, you know, Monks and Bish, mm. Martin Allen, Dixie, you know, real, real characters at the club. So it was a great time. And obviously with Harry as manager, there was always stuff going on. But yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, I, I, I feel it was the right decision to come back. And, you know, I, I do feel bit gutted in a way that I left the second time but the second time the club sold me I didn't ask the league no, they sold yeah, me yeah the first time I did ask the league yeah no that makes sense
0: and and I think you know when, when you sort of the two eras you've you sort of joined we you joined but the two is you played in that you had this different I mean I reckon that probably that last era in terms of Monks and Bish and Mad Dog and people like that that was the last fun era do you know what I mean the last character that era was characters. You had all the characters of '86 and before that, the '80 characters, and that was the last era. And as you said, it you know obviously the settledness of the, of the team. I mean, I mean, Galey says you know on, when he was playing for West Ham, every year was a testimonial year, and mm-hmm. he had that. And he said he still got back six years later, and Alvin was still there, and Potsy was still yeah. there, and Jimmy was still was still coaching. And you know, it's and, and it just seems after from that period onwards football got a bit boring. Do you know what I mean? You don't hear stories of Monks. You don't get those characters like Monks, you know, no, I, and... I know, I
1: know where you're going with this. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, um, you know, and listen, Harry was one of the sort of forerunners of it, really, in terms True. of bringing players from Europe. You know, the, obviously the market opened up because yeah. there was obviously restrictions on how many players. If he was in Europe, mm. you only have two or three players and it caused an awful lot of problems. And of course, when they opened the market up, you know, and Harry, I you know. I, one of the reasons I left West Ham the, in the second spell was because Harry had been very active in the transfer market and he yeah. signed, uh, I can't remember all the names, Dimitrescu, Trescu, Palo Pallada Foutre, Darnie,
0: yeah.
1: Ian Dowie was there. And at the start of my third season back, I'd been top scorer for the, the two seasons back, and in the start of the third season, I got injured. And by mm. the time I came back to training, I was, I was like sixth choice striker because yeah. Harry had brought in all these players from around Europe. This are really, really good players, but I'm still thinking. Well, I was top scorer last season, so you know. I, I think I think football changed without a doubt in the mid '90s. Yeah. and um, the it, it went from a very uh, laddish, boyish, British nucleus to a very continental way, and then Arsene Wenger came in, and then you had to eat bananas and all that rubbish, and it was just like it. <laughs> you, you know, listen, it was all great, and football became a little bit more professional, and the drinking culture sort of eased off a little bit, yeah. and. and You know, I I think, which is probably how it should be. You know, listen, you are, after all, you're a professional footballer, you're a professional athlete, and do the right thing to give Mm. your maximum performance for the football club. But I do think sometimes, you know, sometimes you can, it's it's not the case at the moment because there's a great atmosphere at the training ground, but sometimes I've been over to West Ham's training ground and think, oh my God, they don't talk to each other, there's no laughter, there's no banter. And and that was how you got through your training because you, you only trained to, to play on a Saturday. You know, I, I, I didn't really enjoy training. Now for me, if you if you could have said to me, well, you play Saturday, go home, put your feet up and come turn up on Saturday, you know, the following Saturday, I'd go, yeah, thanks very much. I will have some of that. I did I didn't want to train. I didn't really yeah. enjoy training. You know, especially after, you know, when you get into the end the the, the um the end of your career where you, mm. it's it's hard work. You get into your thirties and you're, you're getting tired and everything. You don't want to train. But you know you have to do it, and uh, you know that's just how it was, really. But um, yeah, it's a shame. I think the characters certainly disappeared a little bit, and football now is much more athletes trying to be footballers. whereas yeah. we was trying to be athletes. I think that's probably the best way to describe it.
0: <laughs> no, that's a really good way of describing it, and you're right. I mean, you know, and I think that's there's it's it's why I think people would sort of have guys like yourselves, and you know, whether it is the Franks, whether it is. Yeah, Trevor Morley, whether it's Mad Dog, whether it's Monks, in such high esteem. Because, you know, you think nowadays you just don't get those characters. And that, that's what endeared people, I think, to particularly in that, in that era. But you're right, I think it's, you know, it's uber professional now, isn't it? And, and with, you know, if you get three years out of a player now, you've done well. You know, or a yeah. manager, or a manager, to be honest, as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But, I, I you know, the thing that I get a bit annoyed about and wound up about is like that the clubs don't seem to keep these players in position. You know, they give... Exactly. You know, you know, Mark Noble being the, the player in question now, you know, Mark's coming towards the end of his career, we know that, but you have to keep players like him at the football club, you know. I mean, for Steven Gerrard to leave Liverpool and, you, you know, like Frank Lampard to leave Chelsea, I know he's gone back now, but these players that... Are, you can't get your head around why the clubs let the players go because they've got so much to give back you know especially to the young players because the young players who are coming through like now, who maybe be a, say a 16 or 17 year old at West Ham, but they all they've known is Mark Noble playing, and he must be able to pass on stuff to him. So, you should keep especially people that have got the club's best interests at heart. You know, like Mark's a West Ham boy and he loves the club as much as I do, and as much as you do. And you need to keep players like that in the football club. So, you no, know, I'm a firm believer that if you, you have a football club, you need as many people that are West Ham fans and, and know what the club means to the supporters because then you then keep that community, family, spirit yeah. and you know what the club's all about.
0: No, I get it's I really- get it. Yeah. No, I get it totally. And I think, I think, you know, to Moyes's credit, you know, he seems to be doing that. You know, you look at the, you look at the, at the sort of, the the, the setup now, obviously bringing in Kevin, obviously he was a West Ham captain, he wasn't a West Ham boy, but he was a West Ham captain. West
1: Ham um, captain,
0: yeah. And that seems to have made a huge difference. Um, you know, even his first game on the touchline, you know, it seemed to be a bit more you yeah, had a bit more about him you know, than the previous regime we'll say um, obviously you've got Kino in there you know back at 18s you've got Potsy in the 23s you've got Colton you've got Kincheski, Zavon Hines you know it's, exactly it's really
1: really important you Yeah, know and I, like, I agree I know, I know Nobes is on record, but, you know, hopefully when he when he retires two, three years, whenever it might be, you know, we can find a nice place for him at the football club.
0: Yeah, yeah. King, Kev's working on him. I, I spoke to him look, when we interviewed him. I was like, what's, yeah, Mark, he went, he's a bloody good coach. He coaches yeah. those kids very, I'm trying, I'm trying, but he's too busy wanting to play. So that's all right. Anyway, anyway, um, while we wait for for uh, the you know the season to kick off, as I said, we're doing this the whole point of this channel is to do this, talk about your memories, but also your eleven and the eleven yeah. players. Now obviously for the players the next players it's slightly different. I like to pick the people they've played with. Um for fans they have to be alive to have seen them play. Have,
1: I just confirm um, that's the priority. I must have played with these players, you've got to yeah. play with them.
0: Yeah, yeah go on. I'd, yeah, yeah, we'll just, do it for you.
1: i I just say Bobby Moore would honestly be in my of course. you know, in my I never played with Bob, no. so apologies that Bobby's not in there and all the other great players yeah. before him.
0: You know. And that's the idea. So obviously, you know, if I if someone said to me my dream my West Ham Dream Eleven, obviously people like yourself would be in but Bobby would be in there, Peter's Hurst but I never saw him. They were No uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I've got no reference points. So for me it's you know, it's Javier Margas and uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and anyway,
1: you
0: know, moving on anyway, moving on. <laughs> Spoiler alert! in cases in your. You never. Did you play? With, did you play with Margaz? No, you didn't, did you?
1: No, no, no. I'm. I'm, I'm that old. That I never played. with Oh damn! What a
0: shame! What a shame! Right. Okay. Right. For the for the Cotty Eleven, I could probably. I reckon I could probably guess most of it, but we'll do it anyway. For the Cotty Eleven, who would be in goal for the Cotty Eleven?
1: Well, I think this is a. Uh, I will mention players that deserve. Of course, to be mentioned yeah, totally, to yeah. Oh, but you know. In terms of goalkeepers, I only really played with two, and that was Ludo, who was obviously fantastic in the 90s or late 80s to 90s. But in goal for me, got to be Parksy. You know, yeah. Parksy was incredible goalkeeper, and as I said, the world's most expensive goal at one yeah. stage. And you know, he was he was just a fantastic shot stopper, and a, you know, a wonderful character as well. And you know, got to be Parks in goal for me.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that was, I mean, that was a huge coup for West Ham at the time. You know. It was, a, as you said, it was a, the world record price for a goalkeeper. I think Man United were after him as well, weren't they? And, and for West yeah. Ham to get him, I think, you know, that's, that's the equivalent of us, you know, lugging De Gea or something. You know, it's, it's like, it's that, yeah. it's that, it was that big. And I don't think people appreciate that, um, particularly in the modern day, like, like my era, how much of a big yeah. coup it was to if, get him well,
1: in. If you just said West Ham would make a uh, break a world record for uh, any sort, whether goalkeeper defend, him, you know, you would go, well, that's, you know, I mean, goalkeepers are going for 75 million now, and not it? There's no yeah. way West Ham would for a goalkeeper but you know back in the late 70s when i think it was the late 70s when phil signed you know it was it was big big money but you know money well spent and he was one of those who went on and had a testimonial
0: exactly one, one of many one of many to right okay we'll put parks in let's uh, we'll play 4 4 because it's easier for me because i'm yeah. shit at video editing more than anything right let's <laughs> <go>. <laughs> that's the, the beauty of coronavirus I, i've been learning all this uh right okay let's go let's go left back who we have left back for you then time
1: well left back I think again there 's only really two that I would mention for the position. The first one would be Frank Lampard senior, and yeah. you know, I played with him in, my, in the early part of my career and he was he was a tremendous professional, obviously at the end of his career, but his dedication was unbelievable in training and doing more training. I was his apprentice when I arrived at the club, so you know big affection for for Frank senior but I think i 've got to give the position to Dixie I think you know Dixie was a player who arrived in 87 and you know we we spoke about that 86 team and if we'd have had Dixie in that left back position because you we always say that left back and probably holding midfield player were the two positions that we perhaps could have improved in some form mm. and if we'd have had Dixie there I think that would have made a big difference but you know, you know what a character he didn't hate your training more than me we used to jog around at the back in the warm-up and just talking about all sorts of stuff. He, He'd drink a can of Coke and go out and smash balls round and no warm-ups, no stretches, nothing. And, and he, was, he was a tremendous footballer. You know, I mean, listen, I, obviously in terms of his temperament and getting sent off yep. and like, all yeah, I get that. But if you take that away from Dixie, you, you don't get the same player. And, you know, I think, you know, people say, could he plan more than of course he course could. You, know, you just have to modify your game and, you know, let your technical ability show. And the fact he signs for Liverpool tells you everything. You know, he was yep. a tremendous player.
0: Yeah, good shit. Okay, we we'll put Dixie in. Okay, uh, let's let's go right back, then. Tony, who've you got right back? Here? It
1: is easy, and not. Mm-hmm. But I I was trying to think of right backs, you know. But it, I think the, the only one I could really really mention about that was Ray Stewart. I, yeah. I think you know, most people of our era that played in the seventies, eighties, nineties would probably say the same thing. Uh, and and Ray was, you know, I, I think he was he was a real old school, tough defender. Um I, I personally think he was a little bit technically better than what people gave him credit for. Sure. You know, he, he had his moments, right, but I think technically he was a he was a decent player. But, you know, if ever you wanted to pe- imagine those two in the team though, you've got to, yeah. who's gonna take the penalties out I of know. Dixie and Ray Stewart, they'd be fighting about who has the ball and yeah. everything, wouldn't they?
0: It'll be, it'll be, uh, be Decanio Lampard, Bradford City all over
1: again, is yeah, not it? <laughs> exactly, yeah. But I, I think as good as Dixie was at Penns, I think Ray Stewart's got to be my right back and he's taking my penalties as well. I sure. think, what was it, 76 out of 84? Something like that. So. I
0: mean, you, you, you'd know more than me, Tone Three or that?
1: four and a rebound as well. So, Ray Stewart's in for me. All right,
0: good shot. Right, right, let's go centre-backs. First centre-back, Tone.
1: Yeah, um, I'm going to go for a pairing. Um, yep. I think really I should put Bonzo in here at centre-half because I grew up watching Bill at centre-half. But Bill was such an adaptable player that you could put him wherever you want. And I think yeah. for my team to work, I've got to go for a partnership as opposed to the legend that is Billy Bond. So I'm going to leave Bill to later. So that means that I've got to go for the 85-86 pairing and that's Alvin and Gailey. Yeah. And uh, again, two different characters, You know, one Mad Scouser and one Mad... Londoner really you know and you know, Gailey's one of my best pals and he, he was he was he was a tremendous footballer Tone and I, I think it, I think if he'd have had slightly more pace then he would have been given more chances to go through and play for England and do do what he, he could do but like Sammy said that Bobby Moore never had much pace did he look what Bob achieved <laughs> as a defender so you know Tone was all Gailey was always going to be the, the replacement for Bobby Moore but you know a tremendous footballer and I, I loved the left left side of that eighty sixteen where you had Gailey left centre half, Alan Dev on the left and me on the left centre forward. And we had real good triangles and play. And I loved I loved having Gailey in that position. And Alvin Alvin was a, a fantastic defender. You know, really again not that quick, but you know, really strong, very skillful defender as well. Loved doing his tricks and his step overs and all that. And he was good in the air as well. And, and brave and you had the mix you know when the ball was pumped down the middle and you had a big tall centre forward Alvin would be oh, go and win the ball Galey yeah. Gailey would drop off and bring the knock-ons and everything and they had a you know I think I think mean, Gailey gets a little bit put out about it but you know as, as great as the Cotty Mac of any partnership was I think the martin Gow partnership the centre-back mm. was certainly one of those, the key points of us doing so well that season. so it's got to be Alvin and Gailey center
0: Yep, yeah, yeah good shout Gailey obviously pits himself and uh...
1: of course but himself captain, uh, yeah. penalty taker, yeah.
0: free kick taker, first team yeah. manager. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's that. rich. Yeah, right, okay, let's go midfield then, So Let's go left midfield. Who do you have left midfield? Well,
1: is, this is the easiest one of all yeah. the positions in the league because I've already said that the best player that I played with was Alan Devonshire, and Dev's got to go in there. Um, I mean, watching Dev in the 70s as a fan was a real, real pleasure. Sure. And then when you Get into the first team and you get to play alongside the guy, and you, you think, Oh my god, he is so good. And he, he used to say to me, He used to say, Look, you know, when I when the ball comes to me, he said, I'm going to have three players around me. And you think, Three players? What's he on about? Like, I know you're good there, but you ain't going to have three players. He said, What I'm going to do, I'm going to just flick it around the corner to you. He said, Give it back to me and I'll put you in on goal, right? So anyway, the game kicks off, ball goes out to death, three players around him, flicks the ball into me, you give it back to him, and he puts you in on goal, you go through and out of shot on goal. And it was he was he was so quick, so graceful, such a wonderful player, great balance. Only slight criticism, he should have scored more goals. But yeah. you know, Dev was one of these, he'd run through on goal and draw the keeper, and knock it to the side yes, and I'd yes. tap it in and, and he was he was a real team player and um, I was lucky to play with him before the injury and he was phenomenal. And then when he came back after eighteen months out, he was yeah. still one of our players in the eighty six team. So Alan Devonshire on the left for me. Yeah, good
0: shot. And and, and Macus has ex- said almost, almost the word exactly what you said about the three men thing that yeah. said to him okay. as well. And he went cheeky, cheeky. But he
1: said, cheeky. he said it to everyone, <laughs> <laughs> I know. You bet you. bugger. He was, that's what he said. Said. I know you're good, but it's all yeah, that you
0: exactly. right. Exactly. He was right. Mental. Right. Okay, let's go right midfield. Let's go the other side then, Tone.
1: Yeah, again, it's quite a, a, an easy one for me because um, I was lucky I played with him at West Ham and at Everton as well. Yeah. And I think that's got to be Wardy on the right-hand side. And, you know, he he does well, Wardy, because he makes me feel tall. And that takes <laughs> him to do it. He's about two inches shorter than me. But um, you know, there's something, something about the Scousers. I think, you know, he, he, he was so brave. And yeah. you know, to the point of... You know, because when we used to play like Forrest and we're playing against Stuart Pearce and that, and I'm thinking, listen, if the ball goes anywhere near Stuart Pearce, I'm not going near him, right? Because you can have the ball, you can do what you want to. I'm not going near him. You might tackle me. He might, he might sort of crunch me or something. But Wardy actually got off on the on the battle of, of playing against Stuart Pearce and he crunched Stuart Pearce and he'd kick him. And they. And some, of them, some of them, I'm going, oh my God, this is awful. Right? And Wardy loved it. And he yeah. was like, he was about six inches smaller than Stuart Pearce. And he... He, he, I mean, if you ask Stuart Pierce, one of the toughest players, I think he probably would say Mark Walden. Mm. You know, not only did you get the aggression and that, you got the quality as well, and he could, he could cross the ball where you wanted. He scored some wonderful goals for the club, and uh, like I say, I, I was lucky I didn't at West Ham and Everton. So yeah. Walden's got that one, Yeah, I mean. yeah,
0: definitely. That's a good shout. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a really good. One. Yeah, that'd be, be Yeah, I mean, it's as you said, so like Walden is it's it's funny because obviously, I, you know, certain players got the headlines, didn't they? So Evans, like you know, of that team, and I think. Yeah. Going back and looking at all the old footage, Mark Ward was 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 a phenomenal player, and I, you know, I didn't realize how how good he was, was. You know, to be honest. Um, yeah.
1: Right, okay. exactly. Paul Allen as well, Russ, because I think Paul Allen yeah. would have been the only one right side of midfield who could perhaps have given a a run for his money. So I should mention Ollie because he was a really good player for Western. Yeah.
0: Good chat. Thank you, thank you. Right. We'll put put Wardy in. Okay. Let's go and set the in centre midfields then, Tone. Who are we going to have in in mid
1: centres? Yeah, well, again, I mean, I mentioned I've got to put Bill in there. Bonzo's yeah. got to be my midfield player. Um, you know, I, I think you could put him centre half, right midfield. I think he was yeah. top goal scorer for West Ham one season. He was just, he, he was just an athlete, incredible athlete. Bill wasn't, but he was, you know, I always felt he was a much better player than because everyone saw all the aggro and the tackles and mm. the pushing and the shoving and all that. But he, he could play as well, Bill, and a really, really tough player. And I think I'd have him just sitting in front of Albin and Gailey and just protecting those two. So, Bill's got to be in there. And in terms of the attacking midfielder, I'd, l- I'd love to put Alan Dickens in there because <coughs> I grew up with Dicko. He was a, he was a tremendous player. Um, we had a great understanding, me and Dicko, like almost a telepathic, you know, where I, I run and he put me in. And everything. So, I'd love to put Dicko in there. Um, I also should mention uh, Bish, who was a wonderful player in the 90s. Yeah. I love playing and John Moncur was a great footballer as well, so I played with some real talent. In that yeah. Jeff Pike was a very underrated player who could have been in the holding role, but I think I've got to go Billy Bonds and Trevor Brookin. I think you know mm. I can't have a West Ham team without legend that's <laughs> the legend. And um, you know I only played one season with Trevor, which is why I always say I always add the caveat. I always say the best I played with was Alan Devonshire, but I only played one season with Trevor Brooking because yeah. I think if I'd have played more seasons with Trevor. Yeah. I think possibly Trevor might have got the shout. But you know that, that last season of Trevor's was my first full season, Trevor's last season and you know, it's, again you, you make your run and the ball was delivered perfect for you, always in the right position. You know, like uh, some players you played with and you'd make the run and the ball hit you up the back side or hit you on the back of the head and you think well, put it in front of me, like you know, but with Trevor and Dev, it was always beautifully weighted and always there for you to hit first time if you needed to and you know, Trev, Trev and Bill in my midfield it's got yeah, to be
0: a great got to be got to be got to be right okay up front now we playing ourselves Tome?
1: do you know what Russ I don't like to I yeah. don't like to blow my own trumpet I, you know <laughs> I, I don't but I think if I'm picking the team then I probably would have to because the man yeah. who's obviously going to pick alongside me is Frank and yeah. if you look at how the partnership's going to work? You've got to put the best player with the best partner. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think you know. I should mention some of the other players I played with because you know, Ian Dowie was always a, a wholehearted player in the mm-hmm. 90s. I enjoyed playing up front with him. Dave Swindlerus, when I first got in the team, was a real wow. good, strong yeah. centre forward, <coughs> and also Paul Goddard as well. I think people forget just how good a player Paul Goddard was. Mm. He was so unlucky in that season because he got injured and he was left. You know, six months before he was fit. Yeah, ultimately, he left the club because he couldn't get in the team in front of me and Frank. And that was, you know, he was a real, real good striker. But, you know, Frank, I think me and Frank have got to be the two players up front. And if you yeah, get us in our 85 86 form with, with those players behind us, then West Ham are going to beat everyone. No team's going to beat us in that, you know, with that team. That team will beat everyone.
0: And it's, And not just the skill, but the togetherness as well. You Know just like, yeah, and the
1: team, yeah, the team spirit would be there. We all got really point. well. You know, we still in the days we had the Christmas parties and you had a bit of fun and you know, we had the end of season dinners and tours away and all that. It was, it was listen, it was you know, would I like to play modern day football with the money they get? Of course, I would, yeah, You know, I'm not yeah, stupid, yeah. yeah. I'd love to be getting underground a week to score goals up front for West Ham, of course, I wouldn't. But in terms of fun and, and the laughs and the jokes we had, like, I think I played in the right era, you know, the oh, eighties. At West Ham Football
0: Club was, was brilliant. I, I loved every minute of it. Yeah, no, I don't think yeah, I totally agree. Tone it's been absolutely brilliant. That's nice, nice, nice ending to the uh, nice ending to the video. Tony, it's been an absolute, it's been a dream talking to you. Um, yeah, well, one off the bucket list to be honest. Um, so, thank you so much for your time, Tony. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you. And obviously, thanks everyone for watching. Um, you know, again, so humble and uh, you know, it's overwhelming all the support that the channel has been giving. Um, so, you know, please carry on like, share, um, nominate people you want me to interview and I'll do all that. And I'll try my best. And until next time, everybody for me and Tony, take care, everybody stay safe. And we we'll see you soon. <laughs> yeah. Cover your eyes. We'll do it in a minute. Tony's getting excited. We'll do- <laughs> take care. See you later. Bye bye. Social Podcast Network.